Bible lesson for them where we're teaching them the scriptures and the words of the Bible and the lessons so that they'll be equipped to face the challenges of this world. And when you hear a song like that, you have to ask yourself, you know, are you really here today to make justice, to make praise of God, to make something of God in your heart a reality? Are you interested in change? This is a deep question and one we must ask ourselves. We're studying in the book of Acts one of the founders, if you will, of the Christian faith who as you know, was very instrumental in formulating uh, many of the doctrines we believe, writing this, many of the books that we find in the New Testament. And if there's anything that characterized his life, it was change. And we're at the part of a story where we see that change and how that change really happened on the inside. And we're going to start looking today about how that change that took place on the inside at his conversion manifests itself on the outside. And so we're going to look today at Acts chapter 19, and I want us to begin thinking and asking God, as we're here, what do you want to, me to understand, God? What do you want to show me? How do you want to speak to me through the scriptures today as we look at the next part of the story of the apostle Saul, who becomes Paul in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 19 looking to 30. As I like to do often, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the public reading of the scriptures together. You'll be sitting for a few minutes, so don't worry. You'll get to, you'll get, you'll get to rest in a minute, but if you want to stay seated, you're, it's okay. I don't think there's anything that says um, that there's magic in this. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they ask? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proof that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some of the Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. May God bless the public reading of his word. You may be seated. So we see here in today's story the beginning of the new version of Saul. You will remember, but let me repeat in case you have not been here or if you're watching this, Saul was the man who's felt his mission in life was to eradicate Christianity. He believed in his heart of hearts that Christianity was a subversion, a heresy from Judaism, which he believed fervently. And he was so committed to the cause of 
correct doctrine and correct thinking and so offended by what these people were saying about who he believed God to be that he was murdering people. He was seeking them out, seeking to get rid of them. He was a person going in a very ugly direction, all right, doing some very bad things. Now, of course, like many things that are done, I mean, people always justify why they do them. He felt like he was doing them for God, but he was doing some really bad things. We know that he has this dramatic experience. And now look at the full 180-degree turn that we see in the life. He went from breathing, breathing murderous threats against those who were believers to the Bible tells us what, that now he is preaching that very same thing. Now, this leads us to the first point of today's message that we really need to burn within our hearts and within our mind, and that is this is that changing direction or repentance is the Bible word for that. Repentance is very literally changing direction. And we, we can look to no better example than Saul because Saul was going in a very bad, dark direction, killing people, working against God, trying to stamp out the name of Jesus, and then he has an experience, an encounter with God, and he literally changes 180 degrees in his direction and now he is telling other people that he was wrong, he had it wrong, and now they need to believe what is exactly opposite of what he said. I mean, it's a picture of dramatic, dramatic repentance or changing of direction. We see there what? He began preaching now about Jesus in the synagogues. The very place he was going to try to round up Christians, he's going there preaching. And he's telling them, indeed, he is the Son of God. Now, why is this so important? We need to remind ourselves that repentance, changing direction, is always possible. You see, this world will have you believe that you are what you are because of who you are, because of who other people say you are, because of everything everyone else has done, but that is a lie. You are not determined to be what you are today. Change and repentance is possible through the power of God. If a person can go from what Saul was to becoming the evangelist and the scripture writer, then you can change from who you've been, who you were, who you are, into what God would have you to be. This is a critical, critical part of understanding God's purpose in your life is that change is possible. You may find yourself here today and th many things about your life are not what you would like them to be. Probably some other people that know some things about your life would say that those are not as they should be. This is a part of our brokenness. Sometimes our relationships are not as they should be. Oftentimes, we are not spending our money the way that we should spend our money. We are not using our talents in the ways that we should. We are not using our words in the right kinds of ways. Maybe we're not using our efforts and our energies in the right kind of ways. Sometimes we're doing things that we should not be doing. And all of these are a function and a process or a part of our broken sinful nature. However, we don't have to continue to be like that. Now, before we become baptized believers, we are going completely in a direction different from God. When we give our life to Christ, we initiate a change 
which is started, we're going to look at that in a minute, by God, but that's where we make a faith confession. And part of that confession is when we say, I no longer want to live for myself. I want to live for God. I can't do it on my own. I need God's help. I obviously can't forgive myself without God forgiving me. So then we do this process of salvation. And then repentance is we were going this way, and now we're going to turn. You have to remember, you are not destined to be what you've been. You and I can both be different. You know, whenever I hear a song like that with lyrics that say, it's God's kindness and his favor that leads us to repentance. It moves me, excuse me, because I don't want to be what I've always been. I know this is going to shock some of you, but when I look at myself in the mirror and I know the things that I think, I don't want to always be this. I don't always want to look this way. I don't always want to think this way. I would like to be better. I would like to do better. And I'm thankful that God, through his favor and his kindness, allows us the possibility to be different. Do you want to be different? I mean, are you, or have you kind of found a groove and you're just going to kind of stay there? You're going to be the same kind of father that you are, that your father was, or you're going to be the same kind of manager of your money? You're going to be the same kind of mother. You're going to be the same kind of friend. You're going to be the same kind of church member. You're going to be the same kind of grandfather, grandmother, worker. I don't know. I mean, but I can tell you this. How, how sad would it be if you just committed to yourself that you were going to always be what you've been? I mean, that would depress me because I don't want to be what I've always been. I want to continue to be better, and that's what repentance is. The first step is whenever we turn to God from our sin. But guess what? We're still battling all the time and it is possible. That's why some of you look at others or you look at yourself and you say, when I say you can do better, you can be better, you want to believe that? But this is somewhere in your mind, some faulty thinking, the enemy's telling you it's not possible. You can't do better. You can't give up drugs. You can't give up alcohol. You can't stop thinking in lustful ways. You can't, and you fill in the blank. Well, let me tell you what you need to remember. You need to remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he was on the earth. In Matthew chapter 19, I love this verse, 25 and 26. He was telling the story of the rich young ruler, and he told him about the rich man and the eye of the needle, and it, was, it, was, it didn't even make sense. It was impossible. And listen to what Jesus said. First of all, the disciples were astounded, and they said, Well, then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently, and he said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything's possible. Look, humanly speaking, there are many impossibilities. There are people who are here today who are watching this that, humanly speaking, they are destined to follow in the footsteps of some nonsense that they have put themselves in a path. They're destined to be the kind of father, mother, son, daughter, whatever, because of all of their experiences done to them by others, fault, you know, and they've built on them themselves. But guess what? With God, it is possible to change. You can be different with God's help. Now, you can toil and you can fight and you can struggle to try to change on your own and try to do it within human possibility and you may have some success. But with God, 
you can live out the possibility to become the best version of you. Tell yourself daily, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I've done things I shouldn't do. I say things I shouldn't do. Today I'm going to struggle. And it's impossible for me on my own to not do what I shouldn't do totally and to do everything I should. But with God, it's possible. How would your day change tomorrow if you start out when you look in the mirror and when you're brushing your teeth and you say, you know what, it's impossible on my own to completely repent and be everything I should be. But with God, it's possible. Let's try it. Let's all start tomorrow and try it, okay? It is repentance changing is possible. Number two, it's helpful to remember that not only is repentance possible, it is a process, okay? It's not a one-time event. Just look at the process that we see in, the, in, in Saul. First off, it started with the Damascus Road, the blinding light event. Then he was blind for three days. He had a visit from Ananias. He had, goes into the synagogue. He escapes through a wall. He arrives in Jerusalem. He's preaching there. He flees Tarsus. So this is just one little snapshot of, a, of a, maybe a few-week period of the process that Saul has to go through in his repentance, in his change. Too many people are chained to the idea that they're going to get baptized or that they're going to go to an altar or that they're going to say a prayer and that automatically everything in their life is going to be different. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, you can't even find an example in the Bible of where that happened. Every time, it's a process. It's a process that takes a certain amount of calendar days. It takes a certain amount of effort. It takes the inputs of other people. It takes a lot of hard work. All of these different things. But if you don't engage in that process, guess what? You'll always be where you were. You'll always be who you were, what you were. You got you to gotta join God in that process. I love this verse that Guess who wrote in Philippians chapter 2, the apostle now Paul, when he writes to the believers in the church in Philippi, and he says, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. He's not here. It's important for us to know that what? He says, look, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. You realize the other translations say work out your salvation. You got to work out your salvation, which means you're working towards becoming who God wants you to be. Now, that doesn't mean that the saving is, your, is of your power. No, God is the one who saves us. God is the one who allows us to, to, to repent. But we have to work all day, every day, as much as we can to work this out and to live out all that he has for us. Are you, in, are you embracing the process? Are you, are you embracing the process of repentance? Now, repentance changing, like I said, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's challenging. And the, listen to this. This is why it's so important for us to teach these young people. Why I'm so thankful for the volunteers who share the scriptures with our young people. Why we do the Wednesday night. Why we do that is because you, do you realize that changing is harder the further you go in the wrong direction? I mean, don't, make no mistake about it. It's not like if, if you live for yourself, the longer and longer you live for yourself, the harder it is to change because you develop habits, patterns, 
things that make it difficult. As Hebrews says, sin that easily entangles you and pulls you down. That's why it's very difficult to let go of some things. Some things are more difficult to let go than others. So it's always easier to start where you are and move in the right direction than to put it off and wait till later. You've heard me say this before. I love this statement. If you find yourself in a hole going in the wrong direction, the first step is what? Stop digging. Stop. If you're going in the wrong direction, stop. Figure out what you got to do and then go in that direction because the further you go in the wrong direction, the more distance you have to cover to get to where you need to go. And I think the same is with repentance. And we're going to see some of that because just because you want to make a change, and it's a real change. You decide that you're going to surrender to God maybe for the first time in your life. You're going to get baptized and become a believer in Jesus. You're going to, you're going to start that process, okay? There are going to be a variety of responses that people have to that. Even if you're already a Christian, let's say you're already a believer, but you're here today and you're, God's speaking to you and you're saying, you know what, it's time for me to really start addressing this. I've got to change this. I feel God telling me this. Well, regardless of what part of the process of repentance you're in, rest assured there are going to be a wide variety of responses that other people are going to have to that. And I want us to just look for a moment at some of the responses that we see to Paul's change. Because I see some of those are universal in how people respond to us. Look at the first thing, how they responded to Paul's change. It's, they were amazed. All who heard him were amazed, it says. Now look, there are some times whenever you decide to make a change to become a Christian, some people are going to look at that and they're going to be, wow. Or let's say you decide to give up blank. You decide to start doing blank. Some people are going to be amazed at that change. But some people are going to have real questions. All right, look, and that was no different for Saul. Look at the questions they asked. Some of them said, hey, isn't this the same guy? Didn't he do such and such? And those could happen to you. Let me tell you what, you decide that you want to make some changes for God in your life, and there will be people who will ask questions like, well, isn't she the one who such and such? Or, or didn't they do that? And look, some of that is just part of life, right? People are trying to understand. They're trying to figure things out. So questions, people question our desire to change. They question this. It's not necessarily right or wrong. It can be, but it's just a reality. Now, some are going to do more than question, though. Some are going to actually doubt. And that's what they did to Saul. Look what it says. They did not believe he had truly changed. You realize there's people in this world who were going to doubt you if you try to do the right thing. If you decide today that you're going to do X for God, God speaks to you and you say, I want to change this in my life and I'm going to do it. And I mean, I'm turning this over to God. There will be people you will run into. Some of them, sadly, may be here. Some of them may be at your house. Some of them may be in your extended family. Some of them are at your work who are going to doubt whether or not you are sincere. This is the part of the human experience. People doubt whether other people are sincere. We're flooded with people who have wrong motivations. We see people who are trying to do the wrong things or they're trying to use people and get something. And so it's just part of our framework. We doubt people. We doubt their sincerity. 
This is life. Don't, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it other than look to the, in a minute about how you respond, but people are going to doubt. They doubted Paul. Imagine what Paul or Saul thought whenever he has this dramatic Damascus Road experience. He goes through this major shift. He abandons everything that he's known. He totally... I mean, imagine just the, the, the loss of your own pride to come and say to everyone, I was wrong. I know I was out there and I was as fervently saying this as I, as I could, but that was wrong. Now everything that I was saying is wrong, is right. I mean, you, you, you're basically laying yourself bare out there. And how did they respond to him? Questioned him. Doubted him. Many people feared him. Look what, they were afraid of him, with good reason. How did they know it wasn't a trick? How did they know he wasn't undercover? How did they know he wasn't pretending to be a convert so that, 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 that he could find out who the real believers were? You see, what happens is when it comes to you, you can't get lost in everybody else's response. You're not responsible for their response. Their response may be motivated out of things that apply only to them. You can't sit here and say that, man, they, didn't, they weren't justified in their fear, their doubts, their questions. They were using wisdom, maybe. Maybe in your life, when you decide to make a change, you get so wrapped up in how other people are responding to it that it derails you from what you need to be doing. Don't worry about their response. Focus on your response to what God is doing. If they are amazed, great. If they question you, fine. If they doubt you, okay. If they fear you, try to overcome those. Look, and then some people are going to out and out resist you. Look, they, they didn't just fear him or doubt him. They tried to kill him. They tried to murder him. But notice that he did not get deterred. How are you letting people and what they think about you affect your change. When they question you, do you get mad? Do you get offended? Do you say, how could they have such a that? They're supposed to do that. Guess what? There's going to be people at a church who are going to say the wrong things. They're going to do things they shouldn't. They're going to be mean. They're, going to do, they, they're, going to, they're not going to be on track all the time. Do you allow them and their failure to respond appropriately cause you to get off track in what God is doing in your life? Man, I wish I could go back and talk to some people who I see who were doing so well and then let someone else judge them or criticize them or doubt them or try to resist what they're doing and then look and just say, why? Man, why would you let someone else keep you from becoming who God is changing you to be? Look, Paul experienced all of that, and you and I will too. We can't lose focus and look at what everybody else's response is. We have to stay focused on what God is doing in us. Of course, we do see that there will be some people who will respond appropriately. There are going to be some people who are going to support you. Now, what I hope is that more of us are going to become into this category. 
at the Pineville Christian Church that when we see people who are trying to make change, we, we're going to be amazed. That's okay. We may have some questions, but I hope that we're not going to get lost in doubt and fear and certainly not resistance, but we're going to support people in their process of repentance. Man, Saul had that. Some of the other believers, what'd they do? They lowered him in a large basket because he needed, he needed to get away. I mean, look, you know, we talk about this phrase, they drove the getaway car or whatever. They didn't have cars, but this, these folks found a way to get him out of town because there were people trying to kill him at some cost to themselves, okay, at least amongst their friends or whatever. I mean, they supported him in that sense. Later on, when the believers heard about it, they took him down to Caesarea. So they, they took him and they helped him flee Jerusalem. Look, everywhere he goes, now he's enemy, he's enemy number one. I mean, these people are upset that he's now proclaiming Jesus. And I'm going to tell you this. If you truly proclaim Jesus in your world, now I'm not talking about lip service. If you truly proclaim the message that Jesus is the Son of God and that you believe it, and you're going to put that, your belief where your money is, where your mouth is, where your action is, there going to be, there's going to be a lot of resistance to that. And sometimes it takes others to support you, to help you. And we see, we're introduced to a new character, and we're going to see him later on, but Barnabas. Look at Barnabas. He's mentioned by name here in the text. Barnabas brings Saul to the apostles. Now, he stakes his reputation. He stakes everything that he's got that this guy is not undercover, that he's for real, that he's legitimate. He's putting it all on the line to support his new brother, Saul. Look, sometimes it takes a Barnabas to help us all. Sometimes you may need to be a Barnabas when you see someone who's really wanting to change and maybe they're stumbling in the process, maybe they're struggling. Are you the kind of person who's going to go up there and support them and say, hey, look, I want to support you. I want to encourage you. Look what Barnabas does. He invites him to meet the apostles. He goes with him. When's the last time you took somebody who was struggling, trying to get it right, and said, hey, come go to church with me? And whenever you came to church, you went and you, you, invite, you introduced them to me or you introduced them to some other folks and you said, hey, with their permission, of course, do, do you take it that serious? I mean, really, or is this just somewhere we come to eat donuts and have fun, shake hands? Do you believe that when people come to church and they get connected to a powerful God that they can change? I believe that. See, I've seen it. I believe that I can be better. And I know, look, I'd hate to see what I was if I didn't come here every week and confess my sins to God and say, God, I need your help. And I, I, I struggle because, man, what if I were to take it that serious when I meet people out there? And said, you know what? I want to help you. What am I usually thinking about? What it's going to cost in time, in energy, in effort. Sometimes discouraged because, man, what if they don't? You know? But that's what a Barnabas does. A Barnabas says, look, I'm going to support somebody who's trying to change. And that's what I want to be. And I hope that you want to be as well. can't allow the responses of others 
to determine what we do in our relationship with God. That's a fool's errand. Because it's going to, it could be different on different days. Just like you have different feelings today than you do tomorrow, so, are, so do other people. You got to lose focus on what they think about, and you got to focus on what God thinks about for you and how He wants you in His life, in your life. Number three, only three points today. Repentance, changing direction, changing from who we are or were into who he wants us to be is God's plan for us. Look, why does God change us? He's got a purpose. He's got a mission. For Saul, he was the one who's going to do what? He's going to, we found last week out, he's going to be the one who takes this message to the Gentiles. As a result of that, we actually have an opportunity and we became believers. But he, he begins preaching about Jesus in the synagogues and he begins saying, hey, indeed, this is the Son of God. God wanted to see him change and become and use all of that energy, all of that fervor, all of that drive, all of that bulldog nature to do what? To preach to other people this message. Now, you may not have that personality, but there's something that you have. There's something in your personality, in your ways, in who he's made you to be that he has a plan for you to become. Too many of us are doing what? We're kind of living life down here in a comfort zone instead of allowing God to change us into who he wants us to be. But it's his plan. If you go back to the second part of that verse in Philippians, I read 12 earlier, but I want you to listen to this, what Paul says. Now he's Paul in verse 13. He says, For God is working in you. Listen to this. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Man, that ought to encourage us. You realize if you're a Christian... The Bible tells us that God's working in you. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to just say, I'm going to just will this to happen. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to work hard. No, you should work hard, but it's not, you're not left to that. God is working in you. Now, some of us, he's working hard and what are we doing? But we're fighting him every step of the way. He's shown us what we need to do. He, we know we want to do it. He's working in us and we're just resisting and fighting. We got to stop that we got to work with Him. And I like these next two. Man, He's given us what? The desire and the power to do what pleases Him. In Philippians 1.6, look what else He says. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. When you think about changing... When you think about becoming the person that God wants you to be, in whatever way that is today, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember these few little things. First, God is the one who initiated the change in you. You realize that at some point, it was God who initiated the change in your life. Now, he used other people. It may have been your parents. It may have been your grandparents. It may have been a pastor. It may have been a church. It may have been a book. It may have been the scriptures. But he's the one who initiated it. His Holy Spirit was the one that made you say to yourself, this ain't right. I'm not right. 
I need forgiveness. It was his initiating process, okay? So God initiated that change, and your desire to change now, even after you've been baptized, is initiated by God. He is the one who's initiating this desire within you to be better, to do better. The second thing is that God gives you that desire to change. It's a gift from him. That song, I love that song, it's his kindness that leads you to repentance. You ever struggle needing some more desire? I'm going to tell you, I'm a lot like that guy that Jesus ran into in the New Testament who was like, Lord, help my unbelief. I don't always have the right desire. I need some more of the right desire. I need some more help because I'm not always what I should be. The Bible says he'll give it to you. But he won't just give you the desire to change. Remember this, he'll give you the power to change. You realize he's given you and he's given me the power to change. You and I live in the false illusion that we can't because other people have said it, because the enemy's told us that. But the Bible tells us that he's given us the power to change through his Holy Spirit. And the good news is that change, look, embrace the process. Because if you start down the right road and you trip up and you fail, there's already been provision made. What do you do? God, I'm sorry. I messed up. But you get up and you do better. Remember this, God's going to continue to help you as you embrace the changes in your life. Are you always trying to do it on your own? Have you kind of fallen into the whole self-help mentality instead of trusting God to help you make the changes? He wants to help you and I make the right changes. And finally, and this is some fantastic news for me, is that one day God will finalize the change. You realize one day all this brokenness is going to be gone. Later on, Paul talks about that as glorification. He says that one day when you get to heaven, all your sins, all your shortcomings are going to be gone. And that's going to be a glorious day. However, till you get there, a lot of what happens depends on what you do. Do you want to get there at that day and be stuck over here struggling with the same things that you struggled with from day one? Or when you get there, do you want to get there fighting, clawing, doing everything you can? to becoming the person that Jesus wants you to be. I was talking to somebody this week. You know, oftentimes whenever someone passes away, which is going to happen to us all, by the way, all right, we read these obituaries. And I recognize fully that obituaries are for the living and we, we want to remember the best about people. But have you ever noticed that even if a person lives one of the sorriest lives. Doesn't do anything good. 
throws her thumb up at God, lives completely for themselves. Read that obituary. He was a this, he was a loving person, he was this, he was that, he was, you know, all that. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. But let me tell you what. I hope that whenever I get to the other side and I'm looking down at someone who's reading my obituary or saying some nice words about me at my service, that at least most of them will be true. Because it's going to be real disappointing for some when everything is made clear. And what some preacher says about them, what their mama thinks about them, what their friends want to believe about them, when all that means nothing compared to what God thinks about it. And friends, I want to challenge you, and I want to challenge myself to embrace the truth that repentance and changing to become who God wants us to be is of critical, critical importance. It's always possible to be better. Wherever you find yourself today, you can be better. You can do better with God's help. And when you see other people trying, support them. Encourage them. Do everything you can to be a helper. Don't be a doubter, a resister. Help them. Don't get discouraged when you fail. Every process takes time. And God has a plan that even when we do fail, guess what? He's going to take care of us. I'm going to ask John and guys to come up. We're going to do communion a little different today because his ultimate plan for our glorification, our fulfillment of his desire for us to change happened because of what Jesus did. And so as we think about communion today, I want to invite you to get, if you don't have a communion cup, maybe somebody can help you get one of those. You know, the song they're going to sing, they're going to sing while we're partaking of communion. And the song is, Lord, I want to change from the inside out. And that's where it's got to start. You have to really want something to happen inside and then you want to make that a reality outside. And so as we take communion today, I want the words of the song. You can sing them if you'd like. If you just want to listen, that's up to you. Let God speak to you however. But when you think about what he's done for you and what it cost him, wouldn't it make a lot of sense to today? So you know what? It's time to let go of that. It's time to allow what he wants to do inside of me start coming out. And in your process, it might mean that you need to go see somebody. It might mean that you need to make a confession of your faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized. It might mean that you need to forgive yourself. 
It might mean that you need to start adjusting your schedule. Look, it could mean a thousand things. But I know this. If you want to know what it means, you just ask him. He'll put you in the right direction. Let's pray. God, as we think about what you've done for us, I pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that each of us would embrace the changes that you want us to have in our life from the inside out.